Hello, everyone. I am Bonnie Litvak, president of the Medical Society of the State of New York. And we are here today to talk about the COVID vaccines available in the United States. With me today is Dr. Bill Valenti, the chair of the Infectious Disease Committee for the Medical Society of the State of New York, and Dr. Joseph Sellers, the president-elect of the Medical Society of the State of New York, and an internist and pediatrician. Let's get right into this and just talk about what's going on with the vaccines out there. There are three different types of the vaccine. And Dr. Valenti, can you please tell us what the different types are and what the differences are? Yes. Right now, there are two major uh, categories of vaccine, what they call vaccine platforms. And the, one is the mRNA platform. The other one I'll talk about is the adenovirus platform. Right now, there are two vaccines that are mRNA or use the mRNA technology. And briefly, what that does is, in fact, what all of the vaccines do is they're programmed to give instructions to the immune system to make antibodies to the virus's spike protein. So instructions to make antibody. And they just do it in different ways. The mRNA instructions are packaged in tiny particles that when injected eventually stimulate the immune system to make antibodies against the spike protein so that the virus can't attach and can't infect cells. The adenovirus platform, there are several different vaccines that use that platform. We've had more experience with the adenovirus uh, platform, but an inactive or disabled adenovirus is the way the vaccine then programs the immune system to make antibodies. So mRNA carries the instructions one way, the adenovirus platform the other way. But in the end, all of these vaccines are designed to make antibodies against the spike protein, prevent infection. They really do a very good job of preventing severity of illness. They prevent progression of illness, prevent hospitalization, prevent death. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. Can you also explain to us what emergency use authorization means as opposed to being FDA approved? Because many patients have heard this and they're not clear on what that actually means. The emergency use authorization or the EUA is sort of a midpoint or a a middle ground in terms of getting vaccine out there and uh, and into people. You hear about getting vaccine into people's arms. Well, that's one of the ways to do it before the final data analysis is completed and the final FDA, what's called FDA approval, is granted. There's an interim way especially with a public health emergency, to take the available data, no shortcuts, still 
look at the data, looking at efficacy and safety to offer vaccine as an interim measure while we're waiting for all of the data to come in and absolute final approval. Because of the nature of the illness, so you have an explosive public health emergency here and really want to try and get ahead of the game. And this emergency use authorization or EUA allows us to do that. Dr. Valenti, can you comment on the safety of these vaccines? Because I know that's on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, the uh, safety record, which is a part of the information, the data that are reviewed for emergency use authorization, a big piece of that is safety. And the safety record is really quite good here because when you look at adverse events, only about 20 or so percent of patients have what's called serious adverse events that are serious enough where they are in bed, may need to be hospitalized, may not feel well or may not be able to do their activities of daily living. But that's happened only in about 20% of people or fewer, depending on the vaccine. The safety profile has shown that up to about 80% of people will have what we call minor or mild reaction, mostly injection site reactions, a little pain, a little redness, a little discomfort at the injection site. Other people have had about a day, 36 hours of fever, malaise, chills, and fewer people with GI distress or diarrhea. So in most of the cases, the vaccine is really very well tolerated and is considered safe. And in fact, in my own situation, with both the first and second doses of a two-dose vaccine, really did very well with 36 hours or so of some minor discomfort, but nothing that kept me from doing my activities of daily living or getting into the office. So the safety profile is really very impressive, especially when you consider that this is a relatively new vaccine not something that we've had a lot of experience with, but I think speaks to the science and the effort and the safety profile here. So the, in other words, vaccine safety has pretty, been pretty much established because there have, there's been essentially no progression of infection in those people who have been infected, who've become infected, no progression of infection, no hospitalization, no death. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. Dr. Sellers, can you tell us what's been going on? How have your patients reacted to the vaccine and both the first dose and the second dose? Sure. I think the first reaction is my patients are super energized, happy that this long, dark time of COVID, that there's some light. And uh, it's amazing how, how grateful everybody is that gets the vaccine and uh, enthusiastic about such. Some patients have a little soreness. More rarely, patients may be tired and have some fever. And I've had a few who have missed a day of work, but that's been pretty infrequent. And most people just go on just like they would have after other shots they've had. There are reports 
if I if we go on social media, it sounds like my arm might fall off. I have not seen anybody have a bad reaction like that. And I think that if we have questions about it, if we need to reassurance, the place to go is to your doctor and ask your doctor uh, for your individual case. Is the vaccine wise? Should you get it? Is there a preferred form of the vaccine? And, and your health professional, your doctor will help you with that. Thank you, Dr. Sellers. Dr. Sellers, once a patient is fully vaccinated, what activities can they safely resume or what should they be thinking and doing the same or differently once they're fully vaccinated? That's a great question. And fully vaccinated means you've had, had your second dose, had your one dose, and then have waited two weeks for your body to respond so that it's ready to fight off any COVID that may come at you. And after that two weeks, we consider somebody to be fully vaccinated. And at that point, we can gather with other fully vaccinated people indoors and not have to wear masks. We can gather indoors with unvaccinated people as long as they're from one household. But we still have to be careful being in public, being with moderate or large crowds. So there still is my duty. I've been fully vaccinated, but I still have to sure that I am protecting others and others are protecting them, themselves as well. And so still wearing the mask, keeping six feet distance, gatherings out of doors, washing our hands and, and, and doing the things that we know prevent the spread of COVID. If we are around people from more than one household, if we uh, are at, around people who are at increased risk, if they get COVID. Uh, so we still have to be smart. We'll know more. And one of the things I would advise everybody is regularly go to the CDC website. I have it up in front of me right now. And uh, let's see, this was from March 23rd. So it's their latest news. But the news changes. And we have to constantly go to cdc.gov, follow the recommendations. We have recommendations from the state of New York to follow. Uh, We have to stay up to date on those. But so vaccination allows us to do a little more. And so I've been able to socialize with some family members who I hadn't for over a year, um, but my family members were vaccinated. I was vaccinated. It's a wonderful thing. But there are other people who have not been vaccinated. There are places where there are, when I go to the grocery store, I still wear a mask. I I still keep my social distance. Thank you, Dr. Sellers. And we do hope everyone will be vaccinated shortly. Once people are vaccinated, though, uh, Dr. Valenti, how often will booster vaccines be required? Well, that's a good question. And I think that there is a booster coming well, maybe at the end of 2021 or sometime in 2022. In order to extend the coverage of the current vaccines so that these variants that have been discovered, so that the variants are are also covered by vaccines. So I'm expecting that there will be a booster or even a a periodic re-injection, similar to what we experienced with yearly influenza vaccine, something like that. The only thing that would change that would be some really widespread vaccination, almost total population vaccination to try and eradicate this virus. But anything short of that results in these little clusters of infection popping up, similar to other respiratory viruses and influenza. 
So that in order to keep up with that and to cover these variants, I think we're going to need boosters. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. And right now, we currently have approximately 22% of the United States population that's had at least one dose and 12% that's been fully vaccinated. What is the target percentage of the population that we'd have to reach in order to have herd immunity? Well, I'm saying 80%. And as I said a little earlier, if we could come in even higher than that, we stand a better chance of trying to eradicate this. Remember that we were able to do that with smallpox as one example, but that took a multi-year global effort to really increase vaccination rates so that just about everybody was vaccinated. And I think that's really the same thing we're looking for here. And we're going to get some early returns on this because if you look at what the numbers are in terms of percentage of the population that's vaccinated or the number of people vaccinated per what, per thousand people, some rate like that, as vaccine rates increase, we should begin to see not only a fall off in new infections, but eventually a plateau at a low level where it just sort of stabilizes and stays there. So that's what we're looking for. So I also advise people to not only get vaccinated, but also follow the numbers. Because as Dr. Sellers said earlier, if we uh, are really doing a, our, the job we need to do with vaccine, we can begin to do those life activities that we've all been missing, socializing with uh, family and s small groups of friends, traveling, those kinds of things. And we're all so much looking forward to doing that again. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Valenti. Uh, Dr. Sellers, can you tell our listeners why it's important for everyone who is able to be vaccinated? Sure. I think Dr. Valente just explained about trying to reach herd immunity, a level at which the virus has nowhere to go, nowhere to spread, and we get our lives back. And that, that's very, very important, obviously. But there are those who are unable to be vaccinated for potential health reasons, people who may be avoiding vaccination for other reasons. But the more people get vaccinated, the better we all are protected. And the more we're protected, the sooner this pandemic goes away. The more we're protected, the sooner the risk of variants and mutations goes away. So we need to protect ourselves to protect our families, our friends, and each other. Uh, we need to protect our healthcare system. Our healthcare system has been under great duress. The doctors and nurses working so hard for the last year. The more people are vaccinated, the less chance there is of another surge overwhelming our hospitals and our medical offices. So for many reasons, most importantly, we want to get back to normal. And the fastest way to get back to normal life is for as many people to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. Thank you, Dr. Sellers. Dr. Valenti and Dr. Sellers, is there anything else that you think that our listeners need to know about the vaccine? I would say in an effort to really keep moving with vaccination and trying to vaccinate as many people as possible as quickly as possible. Take the vaccine that is readily available to you. And Dr. Sellers, any final thoughts? 
Just to say, you know, I, I think we are really blessed to live in a time where the science uh, the technology is in place for us to develop vaccines and respond so quickly to this pandemic. It's unprecedented. And so the next step is for us as the medical world to get those vaccines in the people's arms, for the patients, for the public to be seeking the vaccine and getting it. If we all do our part, we can put this behind us. Thank you both for taking the time out to provide this useful information to the citizens of New York State. It's really very important that everybody knows about the vaccine, how safe it is, and that they should get it as soon as they possibly can. And thank you all for listening to the podcast at the Medical Society of the State of New York.